Hello and welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 105. Sorry for a minute. Whenever I start saying these hundred and something episodes, I can't believe it. We've got to that point already. Sorry, excuse the distraction. This is episode 105 and today's episode, One Moment Could Make All the Difference. I want to take the opportunity to pause, really, as we come up to the eve of the very first anniversary of my One Million Moments campaign. I'd like to take a moment to reflect. (sighs) Sorry, excuse the genuine pun. I hadn't thought through my wording until just then. So if you are new to the podcast, you might not know about my One Million Moments campaign. So I'm just going to tell you very briefly before we move on. One Million Moments as a campaign really adopts a preventative stance when it comes to children's mental health issues. We know that there is a crisis of epidemic proportions with the number of children struggling, children and teens struggling with their emotional well-being as is the case also with adults. And I think my view was that there's only so much that I can do as an individual in terms of supporting children and families who are struggling with their emotional well-being. But actually, if I take a more preventative stance, actually really connecting with parents and giving you tools, strategies, skills and ways of being able to connect in those moments, as well as doing exactly the same for schools and also organisations, that actually we can shift the statistics, which currently has around 17% of children having a probable diagnosable mental health issue. The whole premise, One Million Moments, is to reverse that trend down to 10% by 20 25, but very much adopting a preventative approach. So what I'd like to do in this podcast episode is not necessarily go through what One Million Moments is, although I just have, but much more. I want to be able to share with you why these moments, when we catch them, and we don't have to catch them at every opportunity, but when we're conscious, when we're active in trying to maximise and seize those moments when they come, why these moments could potentially make all the difference to improving your child's ability to navigate their own childhood and into adulthood without suffering from a debilitating mental health issue. Now that is not to say that your child won't have challenges as they navigate their way to adulthood. Of course they are. You know, there will be times when they feel overwhelmed by their emotions and unable to cope. And that's a a really normal part of growing, developing and becoming the people that we're meant to be. What I'm talking about is trying to ensure that they don't have challenges which get in the way of your child being able to live their life fully, engaging socially, learning, being curious, developing who they are. That's what One Million Moments is all about. And that's why I want to talk about why these moments could genuinely make all the difference because it is absolutely my wholehearted belief that those moments, which are, let's be honest, are probably at the most inopportune time more often than not, are the ones that can make all of the difference. It's these small incremental moments that then have this big cumulative snowball effect. 
And raising resilient children is messy. You know, the whole kind of, you know, the cliche, you don't get a rule book when you get your children. Of course you don't. But we are so busy in our lives. There are so many things that is, that's going on that conflict with our time and attention. And we're pulled and pushed in so many different directions that if we can just take it down to the very simplest of things, those individual moments, when they come up, because children are much more likely to engage with us when they are creating the space for those moments than when we sit them down to have these very conscious let's sit down and have a discussion about that and you'll probably find that is the exact reason why our children pick certain moments to talk to us about certain things because we have our guard down and they know that it is time sensitive so for example you know quite how often do your children suddenly decide that they want to pour their soul and tell you about everything just before they go to bed part of that is obviously that they've been holding on to it but part of it is also knowing that it's not necessarily going to get dragged out for hours and hours into a long lecture because it is that it's their time to go to bed as well as obviously being the obvious aspect for some children it comes up at that particular time because that's when they're probably going to be struggling to fall asleep and so that's why it comes up but our children often pick the most inopportune moments because they feel a certain element of control and it's not because they want to be controlling but it's because they want to feel that they can talk to us when they are ready to rather than us necessarily creating these moments so we have to be prepared to create opportunities for those moments to arise but we also need to be prepared to respond to those moments when our children come to us with those and our children present the moment in itself because those are often the crucial bits so what is a moment well it's a spontaneous yeah it's not contrived it's a spontaneous moment within the day it's a portion of time that is device free time when we are fully present for our children and I'll talk about this in my five strategies but we have to be fully present for our children it's not a defined time period it can be fleeting you know where we just appreciate our children's smile when they come and see us and or it can be a longer lasting moment where they talk us through a fear or an anxiety or a problem that they have or it could be five minutes of playing a specific game with our children or getting on the floor and playing with them what's key in all of this when we're talking about moments is that we seize the opportunities when they arise because those moments build connection and it's the connection that protects our children against mental health issues arising and that connection that we develop when our children are younger then is much more likely to follow through as they go into their teen years where they naturally are going to be seeking to kind of break boundaries push boundaries take some risks and they're not necessarily going to instinctively come to us in the same way because they're seeking out advice from their friends and it may well be exactly the same advice that we give them and they completely ignore what we say but they suddenly do everything that their friends tell them and we just need to go with that but if we can really build that connection in those early years and I'm not talking about early years just being naught to five those early years when our children are still at that process still at that stage where they think we are incredible and everything we say is absolutely true and they go around to their friends and they'll say my mummy said my daddy said And we know that they're in that hole in awe of us. And then it begins to shift because they understand that there are other viewpoints, other opinions, and that they've had a little dose of other families and how they do things. So we really want to capitalise those to then build that connection into the teens. If you're listening to this and you've got a teen, do not fear. It's not like if you haven't built that connection in the same way, we can still build that connection. We can still have those moments. The difference is when we're looking at those moments with our teens, 
means is that we need to take a moment in their world. We need to come out of the way that we think things should be done and really take a glimpse into their world. So that world may well be social media, it may well be computer games. And we have to then step into that and ask them, well, show me what it is that you're watching on social media. Explain to me this game that you're playing, this electronic game. Let me Help me understand your world. So it's about having those moments and we'll just approach it in a slightly different way. And the One Million Moments campaign as part of the donations that we're asking with that one pound. And in exchange for that pound, you get access to a whole host of resources which will talk you through these things anyway but a moment is just spontaneous we create the space in order for those moments to happen and we seize the opportunities when they're presented to us by our children why does it matter well quite simply it matters because prevention is better than cure if we want to raise resilient adults who can go on and lead independent lives with jobs, homes, partners, we need to equip them. And teaching them these essential skills that they need is so much easier when they're young and their brains are super malleable and eager to soak in new information. You know, children are naturally curious. They ask lots of questions. They're keen to interact with us. As they get older, they're looking to break away from us. They want to spend more time with their friends or they want to, you know, they want to spend what feels like an age in their rooms on their own. So it doesn't mean that we can't make those connections. It doesn't mean that we can't impart those skills as they get older. But obviously, as the brain becomes less malleable in terms of short spaces of time, it's just harder. It just takes more effort. So if we can bring in these habits really young and then continue with that communication, continue with that connection as they get older, then it makes such a difference. And children who feel connected, heard and understood are less likely to struggle with their mental health. And One Million Moments is all about seizing opportunities to connect with children moment by moment, day by day. So let me talk you through how can we actively engage and create those moments? I'm going to talk about five things today. And the first one, and I think this is a really crucial thing that we did, we, is just remembering this, is that every interaction that we have with our children, as well as every interaction our children have with other people, leaves a trace. And this is the idea that their brain is still growing and it's still developing. Our, our brains don't mature until we're around 23, 24. So we talk about this idea about neuroplasticity, about this idea that our brain is still able to acquire new skills, learn new things well into our 50s, 60s, 70s. It just gets harder as we get older. We have to put the practice in a bit more. We have to be really determined with it, which is why you'll find anything, any new habit, any new routine you're trying to do. If you're trying to learn a new instrument, if you're trying to learn a new language, we can learn them as we get older, but it's just so much easier when our children, when when we're younger. And it's this notion that every interaction leaves a trace. Now, I do not want you to see that as something that you should feel guilty about because maybe you've shouted at your child. Maybe you didn't respond as well as you might have done. Now, every interaction leaves a trace, but the trace doesn't become permanent unless that trace and that pattern of behaviour is reinforced repeatedly. So... If we have those moments, which we all will as parents, where we shout at our children, it happens. Now, if we're doing it every day with every interaction that we have with our child, then yes, of course, it's going to leave a trace and that's not going to be a positive trace. But most of us have those moments a few times, maybe even a week, but they're not permanent. What we want to do is we want to be mindful that the interactions that we have with our children leave a trace and we want to make sure that more often than not the trace that we're leaving is consistent around 
connection and that the impact that we can have in that moment is generally one which helps with their growth it helps with their resilience and that we're always keeping in mind the end our end goal is to raise resilient adults and what do we mean by resilience we're we're talking about the ability to bounce back from setbacks because life is not predictable life will bring in challenges from left field that we're not expecting and what we want are children who become adults who expect there to be setbacks who embrace setbacks who don't see it as a reflection of a failure on them but see it as a natural part of life things don't always go to plan Our children will leave schools, universities, apprenticeships, and they will seek out jobs. And they may have to apply for 100 jobs before they get a job. They may be fortunate they apply for one job. But that's part of this this whole notion of resilience is that they have to be able to bounce back and understand that success doesn't come immediately, it comes through effort. And so knowing and keeping that in the forefront of our mind the whole time, that every interaction leaves a trace. And are we trying to make sure that the interactions that we have with our children are leaving traces that lead to growth, expansion, knowledge, thinking, problem solving that we're coaching our children rather than preaching to our children more often than not that's really important to remember and of course don't beat yourself up if the traces that you leave sometimes are not the traces that you would like to leave because what we're trying to do is leave the traces that are around growth more often than not so that's the first thing how we can actively create these and why that they're really important so every interaction leaves a trace number two is around connection when our children are younger will keep them connected to us when they are older so if we have developed and we nurture and we work on having a relationship with our children and we'll talk about how we can do these in the next three but one in which we have a respectful relationship within boundaries our role as parents to our children is to equip them with the skills that they need to become these resilient adults we're custodians of our children we don't get to keep them we get to kind of well we keep them in some ways but we don't get to keep them at home our job is to equip them for the real world so that they can go out and so if if our interactions are based on a respectful conversation where we coach and we don't preach where we present boundaries and help them operate within those boundaries where we instruct around moments where they've made poor choices where we help them problem solve how they might respond differently next time we're creating this sort of environment this culture within our homes we often talk about cultures within organizations but that's what we're doing that's what we're creating at home we're the ceos of our families and we create the values and the culture within which our children grow up and our family operates within and and our culture as CEOs and our family may well differ wildly or differ marginally to another family and it doesn't matter you know we don't sit there as organizations and constantly compare ourselves and say well our organization is not as good as that organization because our culture is different we might do that if there's a toxic culture within within an organization but we typically adopt the culture that is relevant to that particular organisation, relevant to that family, because of the dynamics of the individuals within that family. And they're different. You know, we've all got different age children with different age gaps, with different personalities, with different traits, with different dynamics around the parents. So it's really important that we focus in on that 
And when we're talking about that connection, we're, we're creating a culture. If we're creating a culture of wanting to be compassionate, are we making sure that we speak to our children compassionately? Are we enforcing boundaries in a compassionate way? Are we explaining to our children and to our teens why we have certain boundaries, why we might have certain rules, why there may well be certain values that are really crucial and important within our family and this goes back to this whole notion of discipline and consequences you know we're not dealing with things you know when we talk about discipline or you know when our children make poor choices of course we have to respond to those poor choices in the moment but discipline and consequences are not just down to dealing with a poor choice in the moment it has to sit hand in hand with what we're teaching our children and that education around why we have these values and therefore why we then have this framework and these sort of boundaries because it's all about how that sits within our values and why it's then really important so our children understand why we have devices off at a certain time why we don't encourage them to to smoke or take drugs particular boundaries around schoolwork being completed or we've got boundaries around how we speak to each other within the home and that we'll be respectful and that we don't use our hands and um, to hurt anyone you know this is the whole idea is that of course we've got to deal with things in the moment but it has to go hand in hand with the education piece and if we're doing that and we're being compassionate and we're making that connection with our children and hearing and listening to them then we're much likely to continue that connection when they're older and that's where they're probably going to be much more vulnerable to the impact and the interactions leaving a trace from other people that we are not necessarily involved in. So the two um, that we've talked about already are that every interaction leaves a trace and that connection when our children are younger will help them connect also when they're older. So I now want to talk about the three areas that we need to really focus in on our skill level. So these are the areas that we need to develop in order to create those moments, in order to build that connection in order to make sure that the traces that we leave within these interactions are traces that help with that growth. And we talk about this in in One Million Moments, about this notion of leaning in, of listening and learning. So let's look at these individually. So lean in, and this is about really genuinely being fully present and leaning in when a moment arises and connects. So this is not about, oh goodness me, this is a really bad time, which sometimes it is, but making sure that we really try to lean lean in in those moments and sometimes leaning in may well be oh I hear you I know that this is really important you want me to sit and play with you you want me to listen to the a challenge that you've had at school today you need me in this moment I've got a boiling pan that I can't leave give me five minutes I'll be right back yeah or I've got to finish this I'm sorting something out with your brother and then I'll be with you in 10 or we need to do this later because we're right in the middle of the homework it's really thinking and leaning into what your child is asking you in that moment and then also asking yourself the distraction that I have right now that I'm thinking is more important is it really more important and the answer may well be yes it is I have to but sometimes it won't be sometimes you really need to lean into that moment because your child's created that space by asking you to play by asking you to listen by being overwhelmed with an emotion they need you in that moment to really lean in because that could be your opportunity and your window to their world and they are ready to talk 
If you don't take it and you try and come back to it later on, the moment may well have gone. Now, that's not about making you feel guilty, but it's simply asking you to be a little bit more discerning in those moments because sometimes it can be habitual. We find ourselves, and I've been so guilty of this in a minute, or yeah, absolutely, and then be on my phone checking emails or checking goodness knows what, rubbish probably. So it's really leaning in and becoming really conscious that we're going to make sure that when they reach out to us or that we see those opportunities opportunities in those moments that we really lean into them so that's the first thing the second one is to listen to truly understand your child's experience when they're talking to us they're giving us an opportunity to get a glimpse into their inner world from their thinking you know that's what happens they're telling us things and if we really actively listen and what I mean by actively listening we're talking about listening so that we can paraphrase back to our child so what I think I'm hearing you say is that this person said this to you and that made you feel like that is that right so it's that kind of active listening I think as parents and I am very very guilty of this being a control enthusiast who is reforming but I think as parents we can be very guilty of trying to well we can do a couple of things we can really not be active listening because our brain is already on our to-do list and all the other things that we're doing so our child will then know that we're not really listening because we've sort of we're, we're present in our physical body our physical body's there but we're not actually really present in terms of listening or we're listening already with an answer to come back and that's not actively listening actively listening is saying right I'm going to tune in to every single thing my child is saying to me so that I'm able to paraphrase. But not only am I going to be actively listening to everything my child is saying so I can paraphrase it, I'm going to be observant of their body language. Are they saying one thing, but their body is saying something else? So it's all of these things that really help us understand. So when our children say, I'm fine, it's not a problem. I'm fine. We know that they're not fine. We know that they're not fine by the tone of their voice and quite often by their body language too. And that only comes from genuinely actively listening. So I hear that you're saying to me that you're okay, but I can just detect there's just something in your voice that says to me that it's that actually this is really bothering you and that it's not okay. And do you know what? It's okay that it's not okay. Should we talk about it? So it's really trying to actively listen because when we do actively listen, the effect on our children is quite profound because more often than not that can be all your child needs they might not need you to give them the answer in fact they probably aren't looking for you to give them the answer what they want to know is that they're not alone that their feelings have been validated because you've listened to them that you've understood what they're going through and that you've created that level of connection now some children of course want you to actively listen and then help them and coach them through the problem solving and absolutely will do that too but it's really what your child needs at the most basic level is to know that when they come to you with something you will listen to them and be fully present in that moment on that basis of really seeking to understand and get that glimmer into their inner world because that's what builds the connection and that's why they'll come back to you time and time again because you've not overreacted and that's the other thing that I would say is that we listen without judgment our children sometimes will say things to us where it just jars it's like oh my goodness me of course we're going to naturally judge that isn't how I raised you I didn't expect you to behave like that or why do you say things like that or why do you do things like that we have to reserve that judgment we need to park that in those moments we're listening to understand how it is for our children in their world 
in that moment. The third part, so we've got lean in, we've got listen, and then the third part is learn. And this is about learning about your child's inner world and what they need from you as a result of that. And it could be that you learn that all they needed was a listening ear and they needed to know that you understood and that you are not going to judge them and that you still love them. And that could literally be all they need. It could be that they actually need you to help coach them through and problem solve and actually come up with a solution. They don't know what to do and they need you not only to listen to them, but they also need you to help problem solve. They might need you simply because it's a burden to them and by just sharing it with you, they've offloaded it. So it's really trying to kind of learn and also what we might need to do moving forward so does our child need some additional support do we need to reach out to other people do we need to reach out to school do we need to have conversations with them do we maybe need to reach out and maybe they need to speak to somebody speaking to somebody might not always be a professional it may well be that they need to have a conversation with your partner it may well be they need a conversation with a sibling or a friend they may need to have a conversation with a grandparent or an aunt or a you know another significant person who's present in their life it isn't always that but it's really when we're leaning in and when we're listening and when we're learning it then informs us as to where our child is at we've had a glimpse of their inner world and what's going on for them and it then helps us to work out what do they need moving forward do, do we actually need to clear a bit of their schedule are they overwhelmed and overstretched is it that they're not doing enough is it that we need to prioritize sleep is it that actually having listened to them there's a real self-esteem issue here and so we need to start working on their confidence it's really trying to take what we've heard and trying to help and put things in place to make sure that they then feel supported moving forward so let me just recap the five that we've talked about it's this notion of we embrace these moments of every interaction leaves a trace it's just being aware of that without any guilt It's understanding that the connection that we develop when our children are younger will keep them connected when they're older. It's really leaning in when those moments arise and truly connecting. And if we can't lean in fully in that moment and give them our undivided time and attention, it's being able to tell them when we're going to be able to do that. And also checking in on, is this thing that we think is a priority really a priority in this moment? Because I might lose this moment and they may not open up again. The fourth one is about listening so that we actively listen and to truly understand our child's experience so we can paraphrase back to them and it might not be appropriate for us to paraphrase back I'm not saying that we need to constantly say to our children so what I think I'm hearing is but we need to at least feel that we could say that and that we'd be on the right tracks and then the fifth one is about learning from that knowledge that we've acquired from really listening to them about what their inner world is like and what we might need to now put in place to help them so my give this week is going to be a couple of things you're going to get my usual checklist but we're or I'm also going to give you links to one million moments to my one million moments campaign to the website so that you're able to make your own decision as to whether this is a campaign that you want to support and whether this is a campaign that you're happy to then make a pledge to and make that minimum one pound donation whether this is something that you want to speak to your organization the company that you work for and see if they then want to get involved and also make their own pledge. Whether this is something that you want to speak to the school that your children go to or that maybe you work at in order for them to also pledge and make that campaign. So we'll send you the link. I would be so grateful if you could join this campaign pledge your support and don't just pledge your support by by donating money and then doing nothing with the resources the free resources are there because i am passionate 
about equipping parents, schools and companies to help support parents in those moments when it comes to raising resilient adults. So we'll be sharing all of those details within the resources. So you just need to, as usual, head over to my free resource library, drmaryhand.com forward slash library, where all you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes. As ever, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love it genuinely and would be so eternally grateful if you could follow and rate and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love so until next time bye